You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Yep, I'm here. Aaron's here. And Tom is here. Coughing his way right in front of me onto this show. Um, You claim you're getting better. And I know, you know, I've been with you for a long enough period of time to know when you're really sick. And then when you are getting better, you still sound terrible. (laughs) <laughs> and you look terrible, but I know you're feeling better. Yes. So it's good that you're back. I'm back. You know, I, I, I wasn't here. I, I missed Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Monday. I was out uh, west in Utah. You were missed. I Well, I don't know about that, but um, I t- I'll tell you, I was at one of those beautiful places. Where were you? <laughs> we were in Park City, Deer uh-huh. Valley, that area, um, and out there for a wedding. My niece got married, but... You know, you're, there's a lot of skiing, and it snowed from the moment we got there. And there was there was blue, there were blue skies, bluebird uh, days, as they call it out there okay. for the skiers. Um, and, uh, there was a, a bluebird day, a blue sky day, sunny d- a day on Sunday. But every other moment, there was snow. We haven't seen any of it here locally. No. So, and you know how much I love snow. Yes, I do. They had feet of snow. I mean, they've had four or five feet in the last few weeks. Of snow, and while we were there, I don't know, they probably had six, seven, eight inches, you know, uh, here and there. But it, it was. Did you ski? So my boys did. I the one day that we could ski was Sunday, um, and I woke up not feeling like myself <laughs> after the Saturday night wedding. Oh, oh, okay. And I just, I, I plus, I, I would have had to rent all the equipment and get all the gear, and I was just like, you know. I think, because Kara wasn't going to ski, whatever you're doing, I'll just hang out with you today. Let's go for a ride. Let's. We went to Olympic Park that day. Okay. You know, we did some. We did various things, but the uh, the boys skied um, on uh, on that day. But you do ski, right? Yes. I. But but we're not a big skiing family. Like I have a lot of friends who, you know, every year they're going out to right. Colorado or Utah. Or, we're we're not that. We, we we've always been a family that if we go away, you know, when the kids were young for a spring break or something, we're going somewhere warm. Yeah, <laughs> warm warm is usually better for the Sheans. Now let me ask you this: Yes, if you had to take a guess, am I a skier or not? You're not a skier. No, not <laughs> a skier. No, but you would enjoy. Uh, well, you don't like you don't love cold weather, but you know a lot of the skiing vacation is sort of the lodge. Oh, I know. <laughs> you know, I do know that. Yeah, and I know where you were because I was out there for the 2002 uh, Winter Olympics. Right. Although I was only at the ski competition for for one day. Usually, I just like to stay close to base. Yeah, that's your move for Olympics. You yeah. were in a hotel. You were probably in a bar. No, with your no. laptop open. No, I following was... the events and coming up with some sort of angle on something that you didn't have to be live at an event for, like no, you did Salt, in Sydney. Salt Lake City is not Sydney. <laughs> no, it's not a party town. No, it is not. Um, you know what? It's it's it, it, Park City, Deer Valley. For those of you who haven't been there, some of you probably have. It is one of those beautiful places. You know, it's just spectacular, the scenery and um, 
It was it was a beautiful wedding uh, too. Um, but it, I I I enjoy being in those ski places. The skiing isn't my top priority, like it is for some people. I like the other aspects. I like après ski, uh-huh. you know, as much as the skiing itself. But it was um. But we had a good time. We had a Could really you? good time. It was good to be with family and and everybody. Everybody had a good time. Could you ever see yourself living out west? Well, I almost lived in two places out west many years ago. Almost moved to Seattle very close in 1990 to moving to Seattle. Uh The company that I was with was basically going to relocate to Seattle. We were within a month of doing it. But then, long story short, the CEO's wife got pregnant. It was going to be they, they wanted it wasn't going to be the smoothest of pregnancies apparently, and they wanted to stay here with their doctor set, and that changed the whole plan. Okay, but we were really close to moving to Seattle and sort of close to moving to San Francisco at one point. I would have loved to have lived in the Bay Area. I've always loved the Bay Area. I know it's not the same as it used to be for a lot of reasons. And then I I, I think I've told you this, but. I didn't live in Boston, but I commuted to Boston up and back Monday, up Monday, back Friday for like 20 months. Um, and well, we yes, almost moved there, too. You know, Boston's not out west. You do know that, right? I do know that. Okay, so try, 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 try to Try to stick up. with the topic. Yeah, you so know? those were the two things. And, and I would have been thrilled to have lived in either one of those two places. When I was getting out of college, I was a senior in college, and uh, I had already worked, been working at a weekly newspaper in Strasburg for about a year. And uh, when the editor went on vacation, I actually ran the paper. So uh, there, he was a friend with a weekly newspaper editor in Cresta Butte, Colorado, a real big ski town. I mean, it, next to Gunnison, Colorado, one of the coldest places in the United States. Right. And this editor wanted to take a leave of absence. And uh, he hired, he was going to hire me to run the paper for a year. So we, I was about to get married. I was go, we were going to get married in June, but we had to go leave in January to go out to do this. So we moved up our wedding to January. I was leaving school a semester early. I was, I was leaving like 12 credits short. And I was going to go live in Crest of Butte, Colorado. Really? And run this play, paper for a year. And then a month before all this happened, he sold the paper. <laughs> so it, it all ended. It, it, it didn't happen. Uh, and 10 years later, uh, driving across the country, I stopped in Crested Butte and spent the night there and had a great time. Uh, and uh, drinking at the Wooden Nickel Bar. My life would have been tremendously different in a town like Crested Butte. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a town full of skiers and burnt out roadies <laughs> yeah that was pretty much what it was yeah and even the skiers are burnt out yeah. to a certain degree as well um yeah, yeah i i mean i'm I, not i'm not a west guy though i'm an east guy i think i think both of us are sort of east coast yeah. people um I, I and i i'm so glad that i still live on the east coast but i you know you know it's funny Tommy. so friday morning you know being on the clock that i'm on i was up super early utah time right. like really oh, early yeah. You know, like it was two thirty, three a.m., and I was up wide awake, not being able to to move. And so, at about five, I just got in the car and started driving around. It was snowing pretty hard, and I like going out when it's snowing. Yeah. You know, and um, and you know, I was struck by just the lack of anything being opened. You know, like 
the, the coffee joints weren't even opening until 7 a.m. Now, there was a Starbucks that was opening at 6 a.m., but I had to literally wait to get coffee. There wasn't even a gas station. So there or wasn't a 7-Eleven like or a Circle K. Not a 7-Eleven open 24-7? And, uh, you know, I do remember sort of this, and I'm probably wrong about this. It's got to be a Mormon there, thing. There's, le- there's just less. No, the, now the work ethic, you know, and the employment rate in Salt Lake City is phenomenal. And the work, you know, the service industry is incredible. Like when, because uh, I had a client in Salt Lake City, and I was out there many times in the mid '90s. Harmons Supermarkets. Um, there were there were the smaller chain. Smiths was the big chain. Albertsons was out there. We had a contract with Harmons, and they're very well known in Salt Lake City. So I was out there a lot, and I mean, first rate work ethic, the whole thing. But it just starts later, I think. This was a Friday morning. And yeah, there was a lot of snow, but it wasn't, you know, they, they clear it. They're, they're professional yes. snow removers. Not like Dallas. Not like Dallas. Not like Dallas at all. And I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, God, around here, like, you know, if you need coffee at any time of day, you can go find coffee. Yes. I had to wait until 6 a.m. to get coffee. So but there was anyway. no IHOP open anywhere? No, nothing. You know, when I was down in Park City, I drove further down, you know, towards the, an area that had a big, you know, shopping mall. It was just, look, there there are more type A's on the East Coast than on the West, out West, probably. I guess so. I guess. I and know. they must go to bed it's, early it's, out there. It's gorgeous out there, and I did go through the Olympic Park area, which was, you know, um, down now, I have a question for you. Where was the Olympic Village? It was in Salt Lake City. It was. I, I thought it was yeah. because the Olympic Park, where the bobsled and the luge and the ski right. jumping and a lot of those things, was not actually in Deer Valley. It was just below Park City. This this huge area. Yeah. And I didn't see anything that resembled what could have been an Olympic Village. No, it was Salt Lake City. That Did was, you enjoy those Olympics? No, that was my least favorite Olympics. Was it really cold? Well, it was it was cold, but it was Salt Lake City. Yeah. You know, I'd been to, I'd been to Japan, I'd been to Australia. Yeah. You know, Salt Lake City didn't hold any I can see uh, that. or lure for me. And the, I, the one thing I remember about it, one thing that was Mitt Romney saved those Olympics. I know he did. Because because of all the corruption, they were on the verge of, right. of collapsing. And uh, the other thing I remember is the mayor going on TV pleading with residents to come downtown to eat at the restaurants because they were empty. See, this is one of the secrets. I know. You've written about, about, it about this. About it, yep. More people leave a city when the Olympics are there than come in. Right. And businesses always take a beating. And the restaurants down there that had hired extra help on on the promise that they were going to, you know, be counting their money, yeah, were, were were getting killed. That's what happens in the Olympics when you host them, right? Um, all right, enough about that. Uh, you were at the Caps game last night. Yes, I was. So, what's wrong with them? Is it goaltending or is it defense? It's or not, it can't not goaltending because they had two different goaltenders. I know they did. And they had the same outcome. Yeah, and Holpe actually played well when yeah. he came in. Yeah, you know, it's ironic. For Samsonov, or however you pronounce it. It's ironic. You know, Holpe shut them out. And he should get credit for a shutout, even though he was only in half a game. And if he did, then he would have the new franchise record for shutouts among goalies. Right now, he's tied with Ole Kolzig for career shutouts. So, But that's not the way they, they score it. But, uh, and that's not the mark people are talking about. No, I know. 700 goals would know be that. the one. 700 goals. Uh, what was interesting, <clears throat> I, want, I, was, I was with Barry Trotz at his post-game press conference, 
And you can tell he was enjoying all of it. Not just the fact that they won, but the fact that, and nothing against Ovi, but the fact that everybody in the building seemed obsessed with this milestone and they didn't get there. Uh, Trotz has seen the milestone caps before. See, this used to be the Capitals. They used to celebrate milestones. You know, Ovi got to this number. Backstrom got to this number. They'd have a big ceremony before the game. And then they would lose in the first round of the playoffs. Right. You know, but th- those that was the milestone caps. Yeah. And these are supposed to be the Stanley Cup caps. You know, they left that behind. And, uh, you know, they've made a big deal about Ovi getting the 700. I certainly understand that. I think, what, there's only five or six other players who have gotten uh, to 700 well, it would or be, more? it would be seven others, right? Seven uh, others? Okay. So I understand a big deal about it, but it, it's starkly reminiscent of the Caps before they won the Stanley Cup, uh, placing so much importance on, on these individual milestones. Uh, so I think I think yeah, Trotz, seven others when he okay. gets uh, Gartner's ahead of him in seventh place with seven hundred and eight goals. Yeah, so he should probably pass him. So I think Trotz kind of enjoyed the whole scene, the fact that they won, and the fact that uh, they denied the Caps their milestone night, even though he's he loves Ovi, and you know he said and he's right, you know Ovi will get it, and he actually Trotz predicted, and it's nothing, it doesn't cost him anything to do this. He predicted that he'll break Gretzky's record someday. Well, there's no doubt. I mean, we've done the math on this, that if he stays healthy and has average years for him in the next two, he's going to break Gordie Howe. He's going to pass Gordie Howe for second. He needs four solid Ovechkin-like years to really chase down Gretzky. That's going to be harder, but he's got a chance to do it, certainly. But if he stays healthy, number two is almost a lock for Ovechkin. Now, they thought he had 699 last night. I know. And then in, they, in the game. And it turned out, I mean, you know, basically it was a funny scene in the press box because some people tweeted it out right away, but then other people realized that it hadn't been official yet who scored the goal. Uh, so other people held off on it. So everybody was screaming and yelling at each was other. Was it a Kobe Bryant reporting situation? It, it, well, it wasn't quite <laughs> like that. But people were yelling at each other. Was it a who scored it? What was a goal? You know, I'm sitting next to AP, and and they're frantic because they're the ones that have to get it out quick and right away, and they don't know what to say. Right. Because it took a who while. Writes for, who writes? Who, who writes? That was Stephen Wino, oh, very yeah. very good reporter. Yep. Uh, and uh, you know, it took a while to get the official word that it was Carlson right. that got credit for the goal. So uh, so that kind of took the air out of everybody's sales. And the bigger issue for the Caps is, you know, uh, they're not playing their, their game. They're not playing the game that, that they think they're capable of playing. But what is it? It's February. It's the NHL. Yeah. It doesn't matter where they go in. They're going to be in the playoffs. Yes. I mean, it'd be really hard, even though their division is exceptional. Yes, it, it is. It would be really hard for them to fall out of playoff contention. Oh, I don't think anyone's yeah. talking about that. Um, and, and so who cares if they're the two seed or the four seed or the three? I mean, I mean, last year, all top four, all the top four seeds in the in the <laughs> East, they all went down in the first round. They've got the experience. They're going to be a threat when we get to the get to the playoffs. More likely than not. Yeah, I don't know if the Islanders are better or Boston's better. Tampa now is as hot as anybody. 
I don't know how the caps match up with them necessarily, but it, it seems to to never really matter. Well, here's the hangover question, and it, it's the caps have no one to blame but themselves. Uh, they had a they had a coach who won the Stanley Cup, and they didn't pay him. Right. And they 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 went and hired a guy with no NHL. You're rooting coaching. for Trotsy. Well, no, no, They're, I'm not. Yeah, you are. No, I'm not. I, I look. If it, the Caps don't do it, you'd like to see Trotsy do it. Well, yeah. If the Caps stick don't it to do Ted. it, yeah, I would like that. But uh, I mean, look, I like Todd Reardon. Seems like a very nice guy. Seems like a good coach. But you know, I mean, Bruce Boudreaux seemed the same way. Seemed like a nice guy and a good coach. And he, he hasn't gotten to the Stanley Cup What do you either. think the big difference is between Trotsy and Reardon are as coaches? I have no idea. Why would you ask me that? I'm just curious if you would have. I, was I tell waiting, you what, I got one. I was waiting I got for one. you to bullshit an answer, and I was just going to say, you have no idea. No, I do have one. What? One's taller than the other. Uh-huh. Uh, Todd Reardon is significantly got, taller yeah, well, than, sure. than, than Barry Trotz. Than old, you know, so sideways he's far, Trotz. So he's farther away from the ice. So it's more difficult for him okay, to coach the game. Um, you, get, right. you get what you asked for. <laughs> yeah, well, I was actually expecting for one of your, you know, one of your answers that talks about you know getting pucks and traffic in front of the net. <laughs> That's what I was expecting, but we didn't we didn't get to there. All right, um, yesterday Quentin Dunbar, which uh, I think a, a lot of people want us to talk about, Quentin Dunbar decided to publicly state that he wants to be traded or released. Um, there are a couple of things to this. Let me start with this because I I don't think we've talked about this uh, because we haven't been together since a week ago, I guess, was the last show. And you right, called a in. week ago, Tuesday, yeah. Yeah, so I don't understand personally um, why this February 10th magical date with Ron Rivera. You know, yesterday was the date that the off-season plan, we're going to be getting together, we're going to start really getting after it with the roster and making decisions. And I, I don't know why, and I'm not suggesting that they haven't been working since he got hired. I know they have. I know that they've been watching a lot of tape well, apparently, and having a lot of conversations. Apparently they haven't made any calls to Trent no, Williams. No, they haven't. And this is when I first brought it up last week. I said, seriously? You've been here for a month now and yeah. no one's reached out to Trent Williams? I don't I don't understand that. I don't understand this magic of February 10th and this, the whole starting. Oh, and I get it. Whole, I understand what the, what the reason for it is. What? Because that's the day after the XFL made its debut. Okay, we'll get to and, the and, XFL. And he, Ron Rivera didn't want to miss the first week of XFL football. Well, and I know that he has certainly enjoyed some moments on the boat. Um, you know, I think that he's enamored with a lot of the, you know, the, 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 <laughs> the big money toys. Uh-oh. You know, and I, oh, Tommy, I have all the confidence, and I am very optimistic about Ron Rivera. So th- don't take this the wrong way. I also know what you and, and many other people um, will warn everybody about, and that is it's never gone well for anybody that's come here, even the highest quality of people. Yes. And, you know, I think he's probably in this first month been caught up in a lot of the Dan stuff, probably. You know, I don't know that for sure. I know that he was spent some days on, on the boat, you know, during Super Bowl week, you know, and there's a whole lot of Mr. Snyder going a, a, around, you know, in the first month. I just think in the first few days, one of at the top of the priority list would have been, I'm going to call one of the best left tackles in football 
who's had a major problem with the organization and try to find out what his position is, see if this is part of our future or not. And he admitted last week or eight, nine days ago, hadn't even talked to him. Yes. You know, and then we get uh, Quentin Dunbar, and I'm not going to let Quentin Dunbar off the hook, don't, don't get me wrong, but I wonder why a guy like Quentin Dunbar at a position that is a major need position, major need. He's their best quarterback. He's their only quarterback. And he's the only legitimate player that you are likely going to have on the roster that can start and play because you're going to cut Josh Norman. I I just wonder why someone like that hasn't been reached out to either. But you know what? They're moving to a new area. I mean, it takes a while for the moving vans to get everything in and for everything to get unpacked and to find the house and to do everything and to get organized. February 10th, yesterday was the day. The problem is it probably came a couple of days too late to stop Quentin Dunbar from going public with, I haven't talked to these people, I want out. Now, it's not a good move from Quentin Dunbar because, first of all, he's not available enough to be making demands. He played in seven games two years ago, 11 games last year. He's played in 18 of the 32 potential games. He gets hurt. He's injury prone. He's had a a leg nerve problem. Yeah, so you've got a guy who definitely can play the position. He is a starting NFL cornerback. He's not elite, all right? He's a good player. One of one of the uh, Jay Gruden success stories. One of the Doc Walker all-time calls. You know, Doc loves, you know, sort of those people that no one's paying attention to yeah. in training camp. And I'll never forget when he got converted to corner, he said, this guy could be a good corner. He's got long arms. He's got range. He's got real good instincts. And he was right about him. And, and he has all that. He's played very well. Um... I personally can't stand when somebody goes public like that. Um, I think it could be a reflection of something that you don't want in this culture, but I'm also not going to suggest that they cut off their nose to spite their face because it's a position of need. He can really play. And I know that people like Quentin Dunbar and that they respect Quentin Dunbar, and he's sort of an overachiever, you know, definitely, and that this may have just been a bad moment. So... I'm just going to sit back and trust Ron Rivera and and, and how he handles this because I got no other choice. I don't have enough of you know sort of the relationship thing and what they really feel about Quentin. Because for all we know, they may say, you know what, dude's got a bit of a loose screw, and you know we, he could be a problem now that he's become a decent player, and this isn't the culture we're trying to create. Or they might say, look, he's really good. He was frustrated. We hadn't reached out to him. We probably should have called him to say, hey, we're working on this stuff. We're going to get with your agent because he does deserve an extension. It's the right thing for the football team to do to extend him at this point in time. He shouldn't be playing next year, even though he signed the deal. But this is a guy 28 years old. You want to be on, I would think they would want him on the roster. You don't want him to play next year and then become an unrestricted right. free agent. You should be thinking about extending him anyway. Not at, not at an elite contract level for the position, but he's going to demand some money. So I don't know. I don't, I'm not of the position of. Okay, you went out, see you later. We got a new culture in town. But I'm also not at, at, at the, the point where, ah, uh, you know what, um, it's just, you know, the young people, this is what they do, and they'll be fine. Just go sign him. Give, give him what he wants. I'm not there either. I'm just sort of going to sit and watch and see how Ron Rivera hold, handles it because they know a lot more about him and the personality than we do. You know, and the bigger picture here is Ron Rivera and how he's handling these issues right now. People who I respect 
who have taken over new jobs, whether it's baseball or football or even basketball over the years, the first thing on their list is to either call everybody, everybody on the team, or else visit people. Go visit them physically. This is the first order of business. See what you're working with. Yes. See who you're working with. Yes. I mean, go face, and particularly your team leaders, go face-to-face. Go visit these people, you know? Tell Dan to spare one of his airplanes and fly around visiting these people instead of instead of fishing off the yacht, you know? I don't know if he's fishing. Crabbing off the yacht. I don't think he's crabbing. Are they crabbing? crabbing? I don't think so. No? That'd be a long drop of a, of a crab line. <laughs> but, uh, so, I mean, it's kind of surprising that uh, they haven't undertaken this. Uh, particularly since, you know, Ron Rivera, you know, we've been told seems to be calling all the shots. So, I mean, I would think it would just be, it would be incumbent on him to have reached out, not just to Trent Williams, but to have met and, and, or at least if not met, spoken to everybody on the, uh, you know, of any value on the roster. So as you're talking, Aaron hands me this from Ian Rappaport moments ago. All right, 10.40 a.m. here on February 11th. A potentially significant development for the Redskins. Franchise left tackle Trent Williams and new coach Ron Rivera have touched base for what sounded like a positive conversation, I'm told. The next step would be for Williams to come in to visit, but the two sides are now communicating. Okay. But but why why didn't they do that in the first don't know. week? I don't because know. Because I'm with you. Like, yeah. I, and I... I don't. Th- th- I'm sure there's a lot of things, and maybe this is Rivera. Maybe this is Rivera style. He's, you know, he wants people to sort of be, you know, hanging out there, sort of anxious over it, you know, and that he's not going to sit there and and butter you up and kowtow to you and tell you how great you are. That he's trying to figure everything out before he meets with you. I don't know what his well, style can is. Can he do that in person? I, I don't know, but um, but. Uh, Trent Williams would have been, I think, one of the first conversations, but it's not too late, you know? Like, no, it's not too it's late not for Dunbar late. either. But again, from, I don't think. From, from a purely strategic point of, of view, the only meeting they should be doing with Trent Williams is to figure out where to trade him. I mean, I, that's, that's what they should be doing. I agree with that. I mean, they should be I figuring out where to trade him. I wish they would be thinking about that. But then again, they, they don't have a left tackle either no, they for don't. next year. And I, I don't think that this news that Ian Rappaport just broke, and remember, it's Ian Rappaport. Um, so, you know, it's sort of a 50-50 deal there with him. But if if the report is accurate, then um, it's not an indication definitely. You know, talking doesn't mean that you're still not going to trade him at some point. You still right. could trade him. <clears throat> because, you know, one the thing about Trent Williams that we still don't know is we don't know whether or not the surgery that he had, the multiple surgeries that he had, will impact him physically. Couldn't get a helmet on when well, he got back in that, December. That was the story. <laughs> I know. Um, the other part of this, too, is just when it comes to contracts and reaching out to agents and potentially, in the case of Quentin Dunbar, reaching out to other teams and, in the case of Trent Williams, for a possible trade, who's doing that right now? Well, it should be Ron Rivera with the help of uh, of Greg Smith. Kyle Smith. Kyle Smith. 
Hey, I think it's probably a combination of Kyle Smith, Ron Rivera, and Rob Rogers. That the you know the new right, the new guy, guy from from. I Carolina. think that that's probably the combination. But but right now, I mean, we're under the impression that Ron Rivera is calling those shots, and I think most Redskins fans are fine with that. Yes. Yeah, I'm fine with that, and that's why. I mean, like a lot of times, we're supposed to be sort of. Um, well, what do you think? You think they should trade him or re-sign him? I, I, I don't know. I, what is what is Ron? I think? mean, I'm not exactly what is Ron through. Yeah. Tell me what Ron thinks, and I'm with him yeah. on that. On that one, um, I mean, you don't want to see a guy get a little bit, um, you know, of of, a, of an inflated ego over a lot of things like pro football focus numbers that indicated that his performance last year in the 11 games he played was like top three or four in the NFL at the position. And I'm sure a lot of this is, you know, the part that's frustrating for him is because you've had some change in the previous regime he'd had conversations with, but nobody from this regime. And, you know, Plus, he, he's probably he's looking, looking at, around and knows that he's the best corner on the team. Yeah, he knows that. Yeah, and he's looking at $3.25 million. It's not even guaranteed. And, and he should be in line for a contract extension. I, I would be – prior to him – Going public yesterday, I would certainly think that it was in the Redskins' plans to extend Quentin Dunbar. I mean, unless they have a much better idea about the corners on their team that haven't played that much, you know, um, whether it's the the rookie from JMU um, last year or Stroman or your you know Danny Johnson or I, I mean Greg Norman's getting cut. I mean that's a lock. Not Greg Norman. Uh, Josh Norman. Josh Norman. Josh Norman's getting cut. I think Greg Norman would get cut, too. Yeah, Greg Norman wouldn't be very good either. Um, so anyway, th- there we are on Quentin Dunbar. Josh Norman, the matador. Yes, the matador. Well, I mean, who knows? They could potentially re-sign him, but he's not playing under his current contract for this team next year. There's too much It's too much money, and there's too much of a cap savings opportunity by, by releasing him. But, but, but he supposedly, at least publicly, expressed his love and admiration for Ron Rivera. Right, and Jimmy Moreland was the name I was trying to come up with. Oh, the yeah, yeah, the last corner. year's training camp here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, Quentin Dunbar, you know, you're a good player, all right? If 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 you're not back next year, I think the, the organization's going to survive. They'll figure it out. And, and you know what? If you're a corner on this team, and if you think things are going to happen as, as we expect them to, let's say, you know... Uh, a good, young, aggressive front seven adds Chase Young to the mix. You want to play corner on this team. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you, you're you going to get opportunities back there with that kind of front seven pass rush. Exactly. Um, listen to us on all of the podcast platforms, plus just a reminder for those that want to listen to the podcast that – can't figure it out on Spotify or Google Play or Apple, um, you can go to the Kevin Sheehan Show, uh, dot com. I'm back don't on you, radio yeah, as a reminder to everybody, 7 to 10 a.m. on the Team 980 and 95.9 FM and the Team 980 app and the Team 980.com. Don't you have an app, too, for the uh, podcast? We have an app for the podcast as well, so you can download that app as well. It's pretty okay. easy. Thanks for reminding me. Okay. Good job. A um, couple of other uh, football-related things before we get to the XFL which you attended the opener for the D.C. Defenders. I watched some of that game on Saturday from out in Utah. Um, We're going to get to the MLB postseason format as well. But I want you to um, hear a couple of things. Um, Mike Greenberg had a pretty, 
uh, strong and definitive statement about Redskin dysfunction as it relates to Dwayne Haskins. And his rant um, stemmed from something Doug Williams said over the weekend. So I'm going to play a couple of the Doug Williams bites for you and then what Mike Greenberg from Get Up in the Morning on ESPN um, you know, long time Mike and Mike, you know, radio show on ESPN radio. Um, we'll get to that last, but here's what Doug Williams said. I think it was on Saturday, um, with reporters. What'd you think of Dwayne's first year and just how he's grown since he's been in the building? Dwayne got a long ways to go, but like I told him his last game before he got hurt, he was doing what we expect for him to do. He was ascending and hopefully where he is now and where he's left off is he can keep going up. And I think he's, he's up for the task. You know, good to have him out here to understand what it's like to, to be in the public and, and everybody's going to be looking at him. I told him all eyes going to be on him. And uh, at the same time, you got a new coaching staff. They're not married to him. And he got to look at it from that standpoint that it's about what he does and he has all the ability to do what any coach will want you to do. That not married to him line is what Greenberg responded to. I'll let you hear Greenberg responding to that in a moment. But here was the other response from Doug Williams, because I think it's important that these Doug Williams comments, which did generate a ton of attention over the weekend, um, that you hear all of them. Because, you know, Doug... Doug's pretty honest. Doug tells you how he feels, but he'll bounce around in a lot of different directions. So you're going to get a lot of different things from Doug. Here's the other part of it. What's the best thing that Dwayne can do with a new coach coming in in that situation? I think what Dwayne has to do, uh, you know, unlike he he didn't have the opportunity, I think, last year where, you know, the coaches put their arms around him. You know, we got a young kid here. You know, I think he got to know that we want you to be good. And the kid got so much ability, man, it's, it's unbelievable. I think now with the new staff coming in and what he did towards the end of the year, going to get that new staff an opportunity to say, hey, we need to work with this kid to get the best out of him. I think that's, what, that's the positive part that Dwayne has on his side. So that, so that was Doug Williams. Um, you know, also talking, you know, about – um, you know, just his thoughts. Look, he he's positive about Dwayne, and then he says the new coaching staff isn't married to Dwayne, and then he says the new coaching staff, you know, probably realizes that he's going to have to be the starting quarterback next year. He's only he's the only quarterback on the roster right now under contract. That's true. Let's not forget that. Yes, he's going to be the starter next year, more likely. Yeah. Than not. No, um, he's not the only quarterback on the roster. Who's the other one? Alex Smith. Oh, right. I'm sorry, I actually completely forgot who, about who, that. Who thinks he's going to play again? But he's not. Well, he, that's what he thinks. <clears throat> I don't think he thinks it, but, but I, I mean, I wish him the best. So why would he say it if he doesn't think I it? I don't know. I mean, I, didn't, Like Sean Connery said in, 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 in The Untouchables, who would say they're, that what they are when they're not or whatever he said? Was that the exact quote no, from I Sean just, Connery? No, I, I'm just getting the gist of it. All right, let's get to Greenberg's response to specifically Doug saying the new coach, the new coaching staff is not married to Haskins. This was Mike Greenberg uh, earlier uh, yesterday, I think, on his show on ESPN. If you wanted to look up a perfect method to ruin a young quarterback, you couldn't do it any better than they've done it. From the moment they drafted him, when everyone on planet Earth wanted to make it clear the coaching staff didn't want him, but they didn't get rid of the coaching staff then, they waited until five or six games into the season to do it, so that everyone knew he was the object of this tug of war between ownership and the head coaching. Then he's in there, he's not in there, now they're married to him, they're not married to him. We just said Cleveland, what can you say except build him up? John Gruden, what can you say except build him up? Washington, 
We're not married to him. <laughs> they, they, they didn't want him in the first place. Yeah. And if you didn't want him, you shouldn't have taken him because that's a kid with a lot of talent who obviously needed to be developed. Laura just pointed out he played so little football, it's ridiculous. And what they are doing is, is the definition of how to ruin a young player. That was Mike Greenberg okay. yesterday. Go ahead. I got a bunch of thoughts about this. I mean, look, he's right, except he, he, he doesn't actually track it the way where the problem began. Uh, the problem began was when the owner decided that he would be their first pick in the draft. When the owner decided that he would be the only player he would meet with at the combine. When the owner was the one who called him on draft night and and told him that he was a Redskin. When, when the owner said, sure, you want to wear number seven? Go ahead. We don't have a problem with it. I'm sure Joe will be fine with well, it. Well, Joe had to clear it. Well, yeah. But he put the pressure on Joe yes, he to did. look like an asshole if he had said no. Yeah, so... So, I mean, you had this kid. I can't, I mean, I say this to him blue in the face. He was empowered before he ever stepped in to that Redskins locker room. And he knew it. He felt it. I mean, all you got to do is hear, hear the way he described Snyder. When, 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 they, when they had the, uh, when Snyder was given his locker room diagnosis, when uh, Haskins was hurt, you know, I mean, Dan. He calls him Dan. You all want to make such a small thing out of that. That's a big deal. He's he's a kid. He's a rookie quarterback, and the owner is Dan to him. This is where the problem started with Dwayne Haskins. So, of course, the coaching staff is going to push back from that. Of course, they're going to do everything in their power to push against the owner influencing such an important football decision. Even if, it, even if it's cutting off their nose to spite their face. If you're a coach on that team, what, why would you turn around and embrace Dwayne Haskins, at least in that initial first-year process, after what you just saw took place? And the fear you probably have that this kid probably thinks he has more power than me. I mean, you're not wrong. Anything you're saying, um, it was, and I don't blame Dwayne Haskins for this. Just like in right. many ways, we didn't blame yes. RG three for. He's a, he's a kid. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the this is where, you know, even if you believe, like I believe, that the owner's been less involved over the last ten years than he was in the first ten years, this is where his involvement is destructive. You know, you cannot have a key player in the organization report to you and answer to you and rely on you to get things done more than the head coach or more than his position coach. It really sabotaged the entire RG3 possibility here. And Tommy's right. I mean, the reporting backs it up. This was a Dan Snyder draft night pick that really did not make a lot of the people in in personnel very happy uh, about it. Not to mention a head coach that needed to win, that was brought back, but given a first-round number 15 overall quarterback to develop and play hopefully sooner rather, rather than later. Um, with that said, you know, the the constant talk of ruining Dwayne Haskins is just so old. It's it's a it was a dumb take to begin with. You know, after he came into a game as a backup quarterback against the Giants. He's the backup quarterback. Would you have preferred 
Lewis Riddick and others that Trey Quinn had <laughs> gone in and taken snaps? How insulting would that have been? He was the backup quarterback who played because the starting quarterback was banged up and terrible. Same thing he did in Minnesota. You know, and again, like if you had been following this story, and the national media doesn't follow it like we do, just like, you know, when we have strong opinions about another team in another market, we don't know it like the local people know it. You know, if you'd been watching Dwayne Haskins, you know, going back to the preseason, you know, and you had been an observer of just his overall demeanor, you would have come to the conclusion, and many of you did, that I did, which is this dude doesn't look like one of those dudes you're going to really ruin or rattle or overwhelm. He's got a lot of confidence. Yeah. It may not be, you know, uh, well-founded confidence, but he's got a lot of confidence. I don't think you're going to rattle this dude. This dude has some compete in him. He's got some swag. He's got some confidence, whatever you want to call it. I never felt like if you had played him earlier, you you were going to ruin him or overwhelm him. It was a dumb take by the national media when he played against the Giants. A dumb take um, uh, about, you know, him playing early. Every single quarterback, with the exception of three over the last 10 years that were drafted in the top half of the first round, started a game before week five of their rookie year. All right, we've, we've gone through the list many times. Mahomes was op- obviously the one that turned out well that was the massive exception to the right. rule. So Dwayne Haskins should have been playing early, you know, like any other quarterback. Secondly, you know, when they talk about the Redskins and they, they, they pinpoint – and really, you know, hone in on the Redskins ruining this guy because they are the butt of a lot of jokes. And by the way, all reasonable. And they are certainly one of those bottom feeding, you know, organizations that are criticized consistently by people locally and nationally. Um, with that said, Dwayne Haskins entered into a situation that wasn't that unique. We've seen this before. When quarterbacks get drafted by bad teams at the top of the draft, more times than not, they're not entering into a situation where there are great receivers, no. great coaches, you know, great running backs, great offensive lines. Like, you know, a lot of those quarterbacks played, though. Like, so, you know, they, they tried to make it out to terrible organization, terrible supporting cash. You got to wait. I mean, even our own former players begged for them not to play him this year. Turned out that it was a good thing that they played him. He grew. He progressed. It's obvious that he uh, matured a little bit. You know, Callahan even suggesting late in the season, this is a guy that is coachable. He does not make the same mistake twice. That's an indication of, of a coach saying, that guy's coachable. You know, um, and by the way, when Greenberg said, um, you know, he was the object of a tug of war and the coach got fired, well, that tug of war didn't like all of a sudden when Gruden get, got fired um, end, end up being a winning uh, situation for the owner because he didn't start right away. Callahan even suggested that he wasn't ready to start. Yeah. He yeah. was singing the Gruden tune initially. And, you know, if Case Keenum doesn't get the concussion in Minnesota, it's very possible that we don't see. Dwayne Haskins until several weeks after when we initially saw him in that, you know, after the Minnesota game and before the Buffalo game. But um, it does, the the other part of this is I, I, I do agree and understand where Greenberg's coming from. It's like anything else, you know, you do it all the time. You'll take one part of a quote and turn it into a column. (laughs) 
without all the context. In other words, in other words, what somebody says. I know hold people accountable for what they I say. Know, but you know, forget the context and all the other the things imag- he said. The imaginary context. Well, not in this case. There was a lot of context. I mean, he was saying a lot of different things. We love Doug. He does sort of veer in a lot of different directions. Um, but one thing that Greenberg said is really was really true about the early stages of Dwayne Haskins here. It wasn't comfortable for him, and it, I'm not saying he's the first. I don't think it's unique. But, man, you talk about some, some bad decisions, you know, to publicly leak stuff, to talk about work ethic, to create this narrative that he's so far from being ready that, you know, he hasn't learned they how to do They didn't even leak stuff. Some of the comments the coaches made, like Kevin O'Connell, we're public I, on the record so the leak about stuff, working harder. The leak stuff, the public stuff. When when you have a young guy like that publicly, and this is where culture matters, and this is you know going to be a challenge for Ron Rivera. You got to have everybody on the same page. And one of the things we're not going to do as an organization with our young rookie quarterback is we are not going to publicly criticize him in any way, shape, or form. It's going to be about building him up. Talking favorably about him doesn't mean we're not going to make him earn it behind closed doors. We're going to make him earn it. We're going to be tough on him. But we're not publicly going out there and criticizing this kid. It's not the way to do it. Uh, Now, he was able to overcome it. Kevin. Some won't be able to. Kevin, isn't it entirely possible that behind closed doors, the coaching staff felt they had very little power when it came to uh, influencing this kid. And the only power they felt they had, like Jay Gruden in his first year here what he did with RG3, RG3 yep. was to speak out publicly I understand. on the record. I, so Something yes, that the owner yes, can the control. Yes. The answer is yes. Okay. Doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it right. Didn't make it, it right with Jay Gruden. Look, it, it, it's, a symbol, it's, it's, it's a symptom of the dysfunction of the organization. If coaches feel the only control they have is to criticize a player publicly. Right. That's a problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. But I understand why they would do it. Here's the other thing, too. And a friend of mine, Kevin, texted this to me earlier. This is the only friend you have, apparently. Because um, this is the second time of, you mentioned him. One of very few. Actually, like, unless you're in actually, like a Kevin we, club. We actually edited where, it out. Where all the Kevins... We edited out the first part because we uh, did it too early. So you 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 heard me mention him the first time. But those listening to the podcast, I don't think I've mentioned Well, I just took him behind the scene a little bit. So he texted me this morning. He said, we need Doug Williams to keep his unfiltered, <laughs> often long-winded communications before media to cease. You know, I, sh- I should show up for the, for the meetings before the podcast. You should. You never did on radio. You yeah. just showed up right when the show started. Greenberg is insufferable, but every time Doug speaks, there is a mess to clean up, which isn't totally true, but it has been true. Yes, it has. Um, re- th- there's one voice, and it should be Rivera's. Nipping this in the bud will help with the needed culture change, just my opinion. And when I read this this morning, I was like, you know what? Why is Doug talking about Dwayne Haskins? Nobody should be talking about Dwayne Haskins except for Ron Rivera. He should be the guy that's talking about Dwayne Haskins. Now, if teammates get asked about him, that's a different thing. But in the organization, what happened to Coach Centric? One voice. 
We're a month and a half in, and Doug Williams is doing press conferences and doing interviews about the quarterback, which, by the way, created the opportunity for a national broadcaster on a national show to rip the team. Like, just let's get something here where we got one person controlling the message. You know, by, by the way, somebody who... You know that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not that's saying not, it will. That's not going to happen. I'm saying it should, though. I mean, there, it's very, it's very entirely possible that Doug was doing this as well to make sure that he holds on to his little slice of, 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 of power, whatever it is that he may have at Redskins Park. Oh, I don't think Doug Williams has much power at Redskin Park. Well, whatever. I said it was a little slight. <laughs> I know you did. I'm just wondering. He has they... a certain level of power because he is Doug Williams. He is Doug Williams. And you know what? Because he's Doug Williams, he's still there. Okay. Because if, so he, he... Weren't, if, if he weren't Doug Williams, you and I both know, and most of you listening know, he wouldn't be there right I now. I know that. But but because he has that, speaking publicly is probably the only the only power and influence he has. Okay, but if he's going to be there because he's Doug Williams... And you're going to have coach-centric, you know, operation. Uh, I think the you, coach. You're going to tell Doug Williams to shut up? Yeah. Okay. Uh, if okay. it's if I'm brought in and I'm trying to create a culture change, and, and I'm not suggesting that Doug will be bad for culture. In fact, I think he should be utilized more than he's been utilized. He should be a great mentor for a lot of these young uh, players, specifically a young quarterback. You know, but remember when. Haskins has been asked. It's been Alex Smith. Yes. You know, um, and you get to a point perhaps where a younger 20-year-old or 21-year-old can't relate to Doug Williams, and maybe there isn't really an opportunity to mentor. But Doug is a good person and and is a, a valuable resource. Whether or not it's used properly, I, my sense is in the past it really hasn't been. Doug Williams has not been a significant voice in the way his title would lead you to believe he was in personnel, you know, but, um, you know, it's a whole other conversation. I didn't mean to go in this direction, but you know, he is Doug Williams, which is why he's still there. I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Like, I think if Ron Rivera said, I love you, Doug, you're a legend and you're an organizational legend in the same way that Joe Theismann and, and, and Sonny Jurgensen and other great quarterbacks, Mark, Mark Rippon, et cetera. Um, but I don't have a spot for you in the organization. I'm no, bringing gotta, in my own people. You got to figure out a way to keep Doug Williams. Uh, wh- why? You just do. Why? Because it's it's smart business. Wh- why? Well, what is it? What is because it? Because Doug Williams f- weren't there today. How would it impact their business? Well, you no. Know, if Doug Williams was dismissed, how would it impact their business? Then, then, uh, then you'd have a Redskins fan base that'd be even more disgusted and angrier. With the organization, I, dis- I disagree with that. No, you. I find, think there was a point where that would have been true. I don't think it's. You find a place for Doug anymore. Williams. He, he, he's an he's an icon, and you know you don't dismiss him. I'm glad that there's a place for Doug Williams. I like Doug Williams, but if there weren't a place for Doug Williams, a smart it leader finds a place for Doug Williams if they got rid of Doug Williams. Well, I, th- I, I, th- it wouldn't help. Okay. Uh, we can we, we can agree to disagree. I think that a few years ago it probably would have been you know more impactful than it would be now. Um, anyway, uh, whatever you know, Dwayne Haskins, take the advice of Doug Williams there, where he talked about 
It's the same thing that Gibbs pretty much said to me last week when he was on the radio show with me um, when his comments about Dwayne got a lot of attention because it wasn't a full-on endorsement of Dwayne. You heard him, right? Right. Um, you know, and he essentially said the same thing that Rivera said. And it, it It's not about, you know, the physical. It's about the leadership. And the leadership is acquired not necessarily vocally, but – with incredible knowledge, you know, and Doug said it. He's got to be first in, last to leave. He's got to know that playbook better than anybody. When Terry McLaurin or Adrian Peterson or Trent Williams have a question about the game plan, it's Dwayne Haskins that steps up and answers the question. He knows it better than the offensive coordinator knows it. It's that kind of commitment that is going to be required for him to all of a sudden be a guy that Ron Rivera and Scott Turner say, oh, yeah. He's committed. He's taking over that what they call leadership mantle. That's when when I when when I had Gibbs on and I put that together with the Rivera stuff. That's what they're looking for, and they don't know that yet. They don't know. They haven't been with him long enough. They see the physical. I get that, and and you know maybe I'm out of line here, Uh-oh. but uh, it's a little bit disturbing that you didn't that you didn't have a kid, a kid, but a kid who was uh, the the starting quarterback at Ohio State. Walk in the door with those qualities already. First one in, last one to leave. Um, Learn everything you possibly can. And it's a little bit troublesome that he that those qualities weren't there from day one. Well, I I don't know that you can say that those qualities weren't there. You can say that maybe he didn't use those qualities, that he didn't show those qualities. He didn't reveal those qualities, perhaps because it was a very dysfunctional situation. I've never seen you bend over as far as you just did now. <laughs> well, that was unbelievable. I mean, I, I, you know, you know, I, I mean, I heard yeah, he wasn't that, the first in and the last out early on, just like you didn't, just like it was sort of leaked out. Okay, but at the same time, he was dealing, and it's, you're right. He should have been the first one in and the yes. last one out. You're right. Yes, absolutely. Right. And I think as the season went on, he became that guy. Yes, I know that. Okay. I get that. You know, but he had to be told. That's a little bit troublesome. <laughs> he had to be told that there was one more play left in the game. Get out there and take the knee. He's over there taking selfies. Anyway. Um, all right. Uh, let's get to... Let's get to real football. Okay, go ahead. Come were... on. Let's get to real football. Uh, I, I, I got some I got some stuff for you on this, but go ahead. You were there Saturday. For I the was at DC the Deve- XFL Defenders DC debut. Defenders debut. It was an interesting it was an it was a very Aaron interesting was there experience. Too. Uh for a lot of reasons. First of all, let me make it clear that I haven't changed my position. I don't think the XFL is go- is gonna succeed long term. I just don't think any any league other than the NFL is, is going to succeed long term. I wish it did in the sense that I like new operations. But, uh, again, starting a football league in, in this atmosphere, in this day and age, I think is a foolhardy. I think it's Vince McMahon's white whale. That said, the live experience of game day Saturday was so compelling on so many levels. First of all, to watch the crowds pour out of the Navy Yard Metro and walk down to the stadium was sort of like th- saying, "Wow, this is how it could be if there was a te- if there was a, a, a stadium in the district for the Redskins, like it used <laughs> to be." Right. 
you know, but it was kind of eye-opening in that, uh, you know, I mean, people just, just marching down, hordes of people marching through the streets to go see this team play. It was pretty, it was pretty amazing to watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure if you're Dan Snyder and, and you were aware of that, you're thinking, oh, why can't I have that? Why can't I have those people pouring out of a metro stop to come see my team play? The other thing was, I, I can't emphasize this to you enough because I wasn't the only one. Les Carpenter for the Washington Post basically wrote the same thing. Everybody was in a such a good mood to be there on Saturday. I mean, there was such a positive vibe in that stadium, in part because of what it wasn't, as, as much as what it was. And what it wasn't was Ghost Town Field surrounded by opposing fans with, with a team that, their own fan, that your own fans hate. It really was. Now, these weren't Redskins fans at the stadium, okay? This was a mixture of millennials, a lot of families, a lot of young fathers and sons, and actually a lot of kids because tickets were cheap. I think the cheapest ticket was $20, although that's still more expensive than some Redskins tickets were on the secondary oh, yeah, market. Three bucks you could have gotten in for. So, but, so it was not necessarily a crowd of Redskins fans that you would see at Ghost Town Field. It was a different kind of crowd. It was a district crowd. It was, uh, but but it was a crowd that that really got into it. I mean, they 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 roared for every play. They booed the the Seattle Dragons when they came on the field. And and again, the other thing was this was so far removed from the old XFL. I the the game presentation was so low key. And so, uh, that's an uh, emphasis. Yes, so yep. unassuming by Oliver Luck. I mean, yep. uh, I pointed this out. There was one uh, during a timeout. They had one thing where they had these two kids, uh, maybe six or seven years old, and they do this thing. I haven't seen it at games before, where they line up pieces of a football uniform every five yards or so, mm-hmm. and then they have the kids run and put on each piece of uniform as quick as they can, including a helmet. And then run back to the end zone. And the fans were going nuts over it. You know, it, it was a great thing. I mean, this was this was not wrestlers and strippers. You know, this was, I mean, they had some 13-year-old girl from Alexandria sing the national anthem. There were no stealth bomber flyovers, nothing like that. It was, it, it was as different as the old XFL could have been and was. And people just seemed to really enjoy themselves from the time they got there until the time they leave. And it was such a foreign concept, such a foreign concept for a football event in this area. It, it, you were overwhelmed by it almost. Wow. I'm serious. Wow. Whoa. I'm, glad I'm not even did. talking about the quality of the football I, I know. or what it's going to be like in week eight because I'm skeptical of all that. Right. But that Saturday uh, – I, that was the place to be. I'm not going to argue with you. I wasn't there. I watched it on. I watched some of it on TV. Aaron, you were there. I, I, you know, I watched. I, I watched 15, 20 minutes of it, uh, of it on TV out in Utah. You were there. What was your impression? I, Same I, as Tom's. It's very similar to Tom's. I actually I went down to the field for and, and stayed down there probably a little longer than I was supposed to. Down to the kickoff and then kind of walked around in the crowd a little bit. And it was very much. 
it, it was very much, as Tommy said, a DC crowd in the sense that you know, we've talked about this before. DC is an event city. You know, they're looking for the big events to go to. They might not know. They probably didn't know a single player on this team. They're not a true, but they thought this was an event, a, a, an event. So they went down and they packed it and they had a good time. Like everybody, you know, all the adults were drinking. They were having a good time. And as Tommy said, I think the biggest thing was they cheered for everything. They cheered for the kids. They cheered for the people coming out. They didn't know a single player on the Seattle Dragons, but as they walked to the locker room after warmups, they were booing them, and I saw B.J. Daniels taunting back. That was the other cool thing, is that the players got it. They were getting into it. When the players scored a touchdown or made a big play, they would immediately go up to the crowd. They would, you know, either taunt them if they were on Seattle or or gesture to them if they were on D.C. They got it as much as the crowd got it. And, yeah, I was saying as far as football games go, that was the most fun crowd I've seen in the D.C. area. Well, yeah, in, the in, last two years have been dreadful. I, I'm yeah. talking about Maryland. I'm talking yeah. about Redskins in quite a while. And and again— And what was it, 17,000? Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the big thing. Like, I, I saw the New York game later, and, and the key for it, and one of the big things, is that it is, is in Audi Field. S- small, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's perfect. Like, the, the MetLife thing's not going to work. New York's not going to work because— even if you have 25,000 people, 25,000 people in MetLife is awful, no matter how passionate the crowd is. But here, it, it really worked, and I thought it was really cool. It was, now Again, I'm skeptical of what it's going to be like in week eight. Right. You know, I, I still am. Uh, but uh, for one week, there, there, was, there was some – look, there was some – you couldn't ignore the fact that it felt like, well, this is an anti-Redskins – Right, kind of. Atmosphere. Well, you saw some of the signs that were up, you know. But it wasn't. The... Just, but but it wasn't. I I saw the signs, but it wasn't like like uh, a protest or a hatred of the Redskins. It was like something total opposite. It wasn't anti-Redskins. It was opposite Redskins. Mm-hmm. More. It was more like right. So, um, I did tune in and watch some of it on that Saturday afternoon. Uh, you know, they've got a big TV deal. They've got, you know, yeah. Oliver Luck and, and Jeffrey Pollock, some real smart guys. And, you know, you mentioned something that, you know, I, I, I sort of read through, you know, their quasi-mission statement. And part of it is to be sort of the opposite of what the XFL was 18 years ago. Well, and, they... and to provide, you know, high-quality football with high-quality character with no. something that resembles football. No no pregame fireworks. Right. No pirate. Ironically... The stuff that the NFL stole from Vince McMahon, yeah. as far as their pregame introductions, there was none of that yeah. in the XFL. Vince McMahon now wants them to wear black shoes, Johnny United style. It was just, yeah. you know, the players ran out on the field. They were introduced. The fans cheered for them. It, it was it was very low So uh, you probably missed some of the shots of Jim Zorn on the sideline with the glasses hanging off his But I kept watching nose. him from afar because yeah. – you could pick him out anywhere with that with that with that haircut. You know he was calling plays. Remember when he got the job and he said, "I've never called plays yeah, before. I'm so excited to get to call plays." I know. <laughs> I mean, think about that. He's a, he was a head coach in the NFL. So um, I, I was I was watching it, and you know, after a while, I turned it. It, it wasn't compelling enough for me to stick with it. I, there was some good golf on. There was some good college hoops on, and I had I was with two of my three boys, the two that are big sports fans, and one of them, just to be clear, and they're hardcore sports fans, 
he didn't even know what was going on. And, and the other one was like, yeah, this is the debut of the thing. And he's, you know, he, he and his friends are more into the NFL draft, which sort of speaks to something that you've sort of addressed that I'll, I'll, I'll address. I have no problem with you and Aaron and all the people that were there enjoying it. I mean, it's nice to, to go somewhere and have it be fun. Here's what I don't want to happen, and I saw a lot of this on Twitter, is the, you know, um, it's the, what you've always referred to, you know, the soccer fans who are basically non-sports fans. Right. Soccer is the sport for people who don't like sports. So I I don't want, you know, I don't want to hear from people that if we're not falling, you know, head over heels to get tickets to the next game, that we just don't get it. You know, or we're missing out on like this changing of the guard, you know, so it's nothing like that. I don't want the soccer phonies stepping in, you know, the hipsters, the 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 subculture of self-proclaimed, you know, sophisticated sports fans to tell me what I'm missing. If you love it, that's great. It's that's your prerogative. If you if you enjoy it, I'm going to probably watch more of it. You know why? Because you can bet on it. You know, so I'll probably have a wager or two at some point. I guarantee you I will. I just don't want to hear from the people who aren't, you know, legitimate sports fans who go to soccer watch parties and try to tell us how beautiful the game is. And by the way, you know me, I actually like the World Cup. But I'm not going to sit there and tell you what you're missing, you know, and how unsophisticated you are. And I, I get this sense on Twitter that a lot of people were pretty chesty about what they had just experienced. Your your take was different. It was not the same. It was what you really genuinely felt. But there was a lot on Twitter as I was sitting out there in Utah about how the NFL better be paying attention. You know, there's some serious stuff they're going to have well, to consider well, here. I, I think that, you know, that I think that was that's, probably, la- that's laughable. But that was probably geared just toward I doubt if you heard that in every city. But you're going to well, hear it in Washington because there's such an anti-Redskins sentiment. When I heard that, it was more about the broadcast, that the NFL needs to start embracing some of the stuff from the broadcast, whether it's hearing the play calls, whether no, it's I heard the, a lot of people talking about the extra point stuff, well, and the NFL is going to have to seriously consider the new that kickoff too, stuff and the whole thing. I thought the extra point was great. Yeah, I thought the extra point idea was pretty good. I don't, I don't, I don't hate it. I, yeah. The NFL will, won't, won't adopt it. The NFL's not going to be threatened by this league. No, they're not. Okay, they're, let, but, let's no. Make but there's, sure. a there's a difference between adopting ideas and being threatened by them. Like at the kickoff, yeah. I do think, because they're already talking about getting rid of the kickoff. This is a compromise between getting rid of the kickoff and, you know, making it a lot safer. So I do think that the kickoff, extra point they may not, but I think they should. Look, the, the XFL has a better shot than the AAFL from last year. Oh, they've got funding. They've got funding. Okay, they have really smart people. Better they've TV contracts. They've got better TV contracts. I mean, because the AAF went off CBS their cost, after the first week. Their cost, went structure on the CBS is, network. their cost structure is minor league baseball-like, which is helpful. Now, the, the problem with that is, of course, the dilemma with that is that, you know, how long can some of the better players play in that league making 50 k a year without getting the shot for the NFL? Yeah, Eventually, but, they're going to have to go the, do something else. The better players make up the 200,000 yeah. a year. So there are I mean there are some salaries that are high, much higher than 50,000. I I like the less radical approach to the first iteration of the XFL. I think that's probably smart. I do think Tommy, I don't know what you think about this. I think the ult, the, the only way that it legitimately gets to like the level of the USFL, which was never truly competitive with the NFL, but lasted for 4 years, 
is they're going to have to break the bank on a couple of big-name players. That's the way you're going to legitimize it. You're not going to do it with coaches. You're going to do it by signing Joe Burrow or Chase Young. You know, that kind of a move. Joe, you know, Namath to the AFL. You know, Flutie and Herschel Walker and Kelvin Bryant to the USFL year one. You know, that that's the kind of thing that will get people's attention. Um, you know, I, I don't, by the way, just so, I don't care if it ends up succeeding. I, I like new things. I, I wouldn't care if it, if it succeeded and it lasted and it became a spring football option that people really dug. It's never going to be the NFL. I think most of you understand that. You know, the NFL is a juggernaut consumer product like few others. It's in the Coke McDonald's category. You know, it's, 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 I, I, I know a, a lot of people will, you know, profess that the XFL has a chance to overtake the NFL. Not you, not Aaron, not okay. reasonable people, but there will be a lot of people who are not hardcore sports fans that are the people that, you know, never really got into something that love the new and cool thing that are going to profess that, oh, the NFL's dead. It's going to happen here. It's already happened. Follow it on Twitter. A lot of people saying the NFL could be in trouble. This was really exciting. This was awesome. The TV ratings, not terrible. Um, very comparable with the AAFL week one. Right. They'll, they'll sink um, significantly in the coming weeks is my prediction. Um, but the NFL, man, Tommy, we have lived through the greatest sports product in terms of the habit that it's formed with its customer base more than any other sports product in history it is um when you when when you when your product becomes a consumer habit you've reached the peak man cuz it's hard to break consumer habits when they are fiercely loyal to a brand in all those years that i spent in the grocery business you know yes. and in the consumer goods business and on the marketing side and this is what I've always said about the Redskins, you know, uh, name issue. You know, when I've heard people that say, "Oh, you know, if they change a the name, it'll be a boon financially." You know, they'll benefit from the new gear with the new name and the new logo. No, 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 no. Anybody will tell you that it, when you have, you know, people who have developed a habit around a brand, and you change something significant with that brand, more times than not, like 99% of the time, it is a massive disaster. And the only way to overcome that is to win big with the taste or the quality of the product, right. or in a sports team's case, winning immediately, you know, to change the narrative of a losing, you know, uh, brand. Um, but you know, you, you, the, the NFL is scheduled. People watch football in the fall on Sundays, Sunday nights and Monday nights, primarily. Um, it's a comfort. It's a comfort food. It's a don't have to think about it thing. It's never going to be topped in my see, lifetime. No, no that, football league is ever going to oust or become bigger than the NFL. Okay. Just like Coke is never going to be topped by another cola. Okay. But we're, people are drinking. I probably won't. But here's the thing: people are drinking less Coke than they ever have. Okay, so that's not the same thing as being topped. Is that true? You know what? Yes. World that can't be true worldwide. Well, in the United States, it is. Okay, brands, because, brands, but they're not drinking more Pepsi. No, they're yeah. drinking less soda. Yeah, brands disappear for all kinds of reasons. Behaviors change, technology changes, circumstances change. 
Uh, brands do, but brands built around but they habit. Di- but they consumer disappear. Consumer habit but they disappear. rarely disappear. They disappear. Or rarely are trumped. I, 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 I've, I've, we've seen it I've in our lifetime. It. I understand that. You know, I remember where people bought everything they needed at Sears. Yeah. Now Sears is, is on the verge of disappearing. That's right. But they, 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 in part because of the whole catalog format. Right. Yeah. In other words, because of technology. Technology. Okay. You can't predict what the technology will be. Uh, 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 you I'm not saying that, that it never happens. I'm just saying it rarely happens it rarely when you happens. get to the level of what the NFL but, but it is happens. as a consumer product. But it does happen. Things that seemed like like behemoths have disappeared uh, in, over, the, over the course of the 20th century, over the course of my lifetime. Do you agree with me that, they got, that, that if they're really going to make it, and I'm talking about more than a year, okay, more than the, the AAFL, like oh, they're they're in for two or three years. Okay, if they if they're gonna make it to the USFL level, which was four years, right? Right. USFL was eighty two to eighty six before they folded. And, and the USFL, a lot of people will tell you, folded because they the, spent too much money. Oh, uh, because the businessman of in chief forced them to go <laughs> switch from spring to fall. Right. And that's what did them in. Right. So Donald Trump. Yes. Uh do you agree with me though that they're going to have to make a big splash signing here at some point? I don't for know. It to, to be I, legitimized on some level, I, I don't know. They're going high quality football as part of the mission statement. I, I, look, it's it was a minor league product that I watched. Look, the at foo- best, the football that I watched that game was not that bad. Football was not that bad. I didn't watch for long enough. I watched for twenty minutes. I would I would would have called it you know minor league football. And, and maybe there's a look. If football is as popular as you think it is, the NFLs in college football are as popular. There's a place for for XFL football. I mean, I don't think it's going to be, but I mean, as I understand it from what I've read about it, you know, Vince McMahon uh, thinks after three years he'll get enough TV money in terms of proving to to networks or streaming companies that this is a viable content product that he'll he'll make his money back based on, all based on television revenue. Uh, Aaron, is that the game plan? It's hard to say what the game plan is. I he can say what he wants. I don't know if that's going to be the case. Oh, I don't know if it's going to be the case. How many how many teams are in states where sports betting is legal? I don't know. As of now? Yeah, because obviously uh, how many like, teams Virginia are is apparently about to legalize it. So how many how many teams are there? Eight. Uh, yeah, there's there eight are eight. Okay. So I, do you count DC? Uh, yeah, DC would be one of them. Like okay. they've so got to get they've got to get some live you know gambling opportunities into that stadium. You know, being able to do it from your phone in a yep. seat, being able to do it from yes. a kiosk, being able to do it from a restaurant. That's those those things are. Or make you, you know, more viable. Not to me, talking about a competitor to the NFL is ridiculous conversation. But talking about a football league that could survive and earn enough money to continue to function, gambling is going to have to be a big part of it. Well, I mean, you saw it in that first broadcast. They had the yep, spread right on the bug. They had the total right on the bug. But the NFL is doing a lot more of that. They're doing more of it, but nowhere they're nowhere near where the XFL is embracing. Um. I'm just looking. Is, is uh, Houston? I, think wa- I don't think. No, not Houston. Not Seattle, I think, might have it legalized. Yeah. 
Um, in, but it's it's smaller forms. I think that New Jersey and then D.C. when they get it up and running are the two that are right away ready to go as far as that goes. I mean, gambling always drives a lot of this stuff, yeah. and the in the you know the increase in sports gambling because of the legalization of sports gambling in in certain states, it's can only help. Um, smart people, and Jeffrey Pollock's a smart guy. Um, Oliver Luck, Oliver Luck is a smart guy. That helps a lot. You know, cre- if you're going to be a football league, you got to play football, and this is more football than the first you know uh, iteration of the XFL. Um, picking cities where you don't have NFL teams was a big part of the USFL strategy. They did both, right, Tommy? Yes, they did. Because you had teams in Birmingham and Memphis and Oakland when the Raiders were in L.A. Um, I'm trying to think of other markets. Arizona had a team before the Cardinals moved there. You know, and in this league, what do you have? You have a lot of NFL cities. Yes. I mean, do you have one non-NFL city, St. Louis? Louis. Uh, why is that the strategy? I'd be curious as to why that is the strategy, rather than going into markets that don't have NFL teams. I mean, you could consider Washington to be a market that doesn't have an NFL team, but but seriously, I wonder why that's. I part don't know. Of the I don't know why it would be. Uh, again, I, I think part I, of it is the stadiums. I, I remain skeptical uh, of of it succeeding. Right now, how many years does it make it before it folds? Two years. That's my guess. Yeah, yeah. O- over unders two and a half. Yeah, that's my guess. So Two with years. all that excitement, yes, with everything that you described, very, very well, because and, it's, and, it's, and despite, passionately, despite everything you profess, you were, you were moved a little bit. Yes, I was. I think the appetite for football over the course of our lifetime is going to slowly diminish. Football, period. So I think again, like I've said, I've compared it to deciding, uh, you know. You're going to start a tobacco farm in Virginia, mm, you know. Not, I, not the same thing. Well, it, it, it's the same thing in the sense that you're you're dealing with a product that who, whose whose popularity and interest has slowly diminished in this country over the years through behavior modification for whatever reasons. Well, the participation has. Yes. Right. <clears throat> Be clear on that because TV ratings were up this year. Yes. Participation is is an TV issue. ratings were up from the two previous years. That's right. They're still down from well, four or five we, years ago. We've got a totally different you know landscape of alternatives and channels and all of that stuff. Again, um, you, you've got you've got the highest price house in in a neighborhood where real estate values are going down. You know what though, you can still live in it and be comfortable. Yes, you can. <laughs> all right. So um, the last thing we'll get to, actually, two two three more things. Um, Man, you're working two, today. Two of them will will be quick on, but MLB um, and Aaron, I want you to weigh in on this too because I'm gonna I'm gonna read the the whole thing. So, Major League Baseball's mulling major changes to its postseason format. Um, I'll spell it out for you in terms of the changes. So, they're going to add um, to the playoff field two teams per league. So right now there are five teams. Okay, you have three division winners. Two wild card teams. The two wild card teams play a one game playoff when the regular season ends and joins the three division winners in the divisional round of the major league playoffs in each league. The changes that Major League Baseball is considering, and they were announced yesterday, is adding two playoff teams to each league. So instead of five, you would have seven. And the 
top seed, the number, the best overall record would have a first round bye, and the other six teams, which would be two division winners, and then three, uh, and then four wild card teams, would then compete in three divi- best of three series in the wild card round. So the second play, the second best team. Uh, through the seventh best team would compete with the top team having the wild card round off. One team would get a bye. The other six in each league would compete in three best of three wild card rounds with the higher seeded team hosting all three games if necessary. There would not be a changing of, of venue. The higher seeded team is going to play a three game home set best uh, out of three. So they're going to have to play at least two games there. If there's a third, it would be there as well. But here's the most interesting part of it the higher seeded teams aren't slotted against their opponent based on seeding. So you know, if you had seven teams and you seeded them one through seven based on record, and the first team has a bye, and then two would play seven, three would play six, four would play five in most normal situations. That's not what Major League Baseball is proposing. Major League Baseball is proposing that the higher seeded team gets to pick its opponent. <laughs> Hold on. Major, they're proposing that the higher seeded team, so the two seed looks at the other four teams and picks the team they're going to play. And then the and then the number 1 seed who has the bye when the wild card round is over, they get to pick who they play in the divisional round. Do you know how many times you get a coach after they've won a big playoff series or a, a tournament game and they're like, "All right, coach, you know, uh, next round, you know, Phoenix and Denver are battling it out in their series. You know, who do you want? Who do you want to face? And what's the answer you always get? Oh, man, you know, I, I, we're just glad to yeah. be there. They're both um, good teams. They're both really good teams. Now you have to call out the team that's the worst team among the remaining teams. You have to say, I picked you because you suck the most <laughs> out of everybody else. This is the most insane thing I've ever heard, especially for a sport. First of all, if this stuff were adopted, it would be the most drastic change to a postseason format in sports history from my perspective. I can't think of of another one that would be this dramatic in terms of the change. But for a sport that's such a traditionalist sport, remember the backlash to the first wildcard team? Oh, yeah. They didn't want it no. when they when they went to three divisions from the two because you know Bob Costas the 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 voice of baseball yeah. was against it. Oh, a lot of people were against it. Yeah. Baseball for me growing up and for you as an as an adult was two divisions. It was the East and the West, and the two division winners after 162 games played in a divisional round playoff with the winner going to the World Series. There were four playoff teams. And then they went to three divisions with a wild card, and then they added a wild card for a one-game playoff at the end of the regular season. I mean, all of those changes, which are like a fraction of what's being suggested here, huge pushback. To me, and I'll let you go from here, when I read this yesterday, I'm like, wow, this is a sport that's desperate for something, man. This is this reeks of desperation. You know, I, I wouldn't go that far, and here's why. I know people who have sat in on these meetings that they have in baseball uh, for making changes, and they've told me this is the premise how all these meetings start. 
Yeah, but they don't all get announced. No, no, this is no, no. Listen to me. Okay. I'm not done yet. You see, you need to listen to me, and then you'll find out what I'm saying. Is that these meetings all start with okay? Baseball doesn't exist. You're starting the game. What would you do to to basically have baseball now? What kind of rules? What kind of things would you have? in the game of baseball. So they get all kinds of wild, wild changes because people are, spo- are are asked, but you know, you're creating the game. You know, how would you create it? What would you do? Okay. Uh, I, this sounds like an idea that came out of one of those What I'm meetings. saying to you is that I'm sure there's some wild ideas that have been thrown out in the past, but they're not made public. Right. They're not made public in a way that says Major League Baseball is considering the following postseason changes. Right. I don't this, think... This is dramatic. I don't think you're going to see teams be pick, picking their opponents. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. It's the kind of thing that maybe, you know, it's an okay boomer a moment here for a second, that the younger people have to have. Like, they've got to have this selection show to watch as the manager of the, the second-seeded Houston Astros with Dusty Baker on national television saying, man, you know what? I'll take the A's. They suck. <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be really fun, but it's not it's not sports. Come on, man. No, part of it is you're... part of what's going on here is is TV programming, giving the networks what they want in in terms of more programming. But you know my philosophy about this, and you know people chuckle and they think it's cute and they think it's funny, but no one's told me I'm wrong yet. No one's actually showed me how wrong I am. Let me tell you. What? Okay. The population of the United States is getting older. Right. Not younger. Right. So all baseball has to do is just wait till everybody gets older. <laughs> That's all they got to do. I mean, the game, the, the, the crowd is going to come to them. They don't have to adopt, you know, their, their formula to bring in kids because there's not going to be that many kids left. Uh, you know, it's so true. There's such, I mean, we've seen it in our business, right? You know, being on an AM radio station yes. for as long as we were on, you know, this discussion about the younger demo and trying to appeal to the younger demo. And yet the younger demo is generating less in income than any <laughs> have, of, the, of they, their previous they, generation. They, they live with their older generation. Uh, right. They have no money. Right. They're, they and, don't and have the, disposable income. And the literal population in the United States, in every study, is getting older. Right. So so just wait. Just wait. You just know what? sit back and wait. You know what? The next press release should be how you're reducing playoff teams. <laughs> We're going back to two divisions, and you got really earn it in the regular season. Because I, I mean, because if the game is geared to a slower pace that appeals to older people, then then you've got the right demographic heading your way. You just got to be patient. All right, um, real quickly, uh, if you haven't signed up for Stamps.com and you're a small business, please do so. It saves time. It saves money. We've done it here at the Kevin Sheehan Show podcast. It brings all the services of the U.S. Postal Service right to your computer. You can be a small office that sends invoices or an online seller shipping out products or even a warehouse sending thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com handles it all with ease. You simply use your computer to print official U.S. Post 
postage, 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, you hand it to your mail carrier or drop it in the mailbox. It's that simple. Here are the savings. With stamps.com, you get five cents off every first class stamp and 40% off priority mail. It saves you time and money. If you go to stamps.com and you sign up, here's the promo that you'll get using my promo code, Kevin DC. That's K-E-V-I-N-D-C. You get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale with no long-term commitment or or contract required. Go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, type in Kevin DC. That's stamps.com promo code Kevin DC. Um, I wanted to mention the Philip Rivers story because you know I'm a Philip Rivers fan yes. and I've always been a Philip Rivers fan. Um, so he and the Chargers have basically mutually agreed that he's going to enter free agency and his time, 16 years in San Diego and Los Angeles, are over. Um, uh, he started 14 of those 16 years. Uh, he is, this is not a debate. You can debate me. He's a lock Hall of Famer. Okay, I don't know if it's a first ballot or second, you know, second opportunity. He's going to be in the Hall of Fame. He is sixth all time in NFL history in passing yards. He is sixth all time in touchdown passes. In 14 seasons as a starter, they went to the playoffs six times. They got to the AFC Championship game once in 2007 when he played on a torn ACL, you know, against the Patriots in Foxborough. You know, Dan Fouts, Sonny Jurgensen, Warren Moon, those are the comps for Phillip Rivers. They're all in the Hall of Fame. Incredible quarterbacks. When you watched him, you knew. You know, he didn't win in the postseason. He didn't get to the postseason enough. He didn't go to a Super Bowl. He didn't win a Super Bowl, nor did those guys. Same kind of guy. I think actually better than some of those guys. I don't know about Sonny. Bill Belichick, and I'm paraphrasing this because I looked for the quote and I couldn't find it, but I remember referring to this um, several years ago, and I've referred to it in the past as well. It was during one of those Pro Bowls, and he basically said, he was asked about Rivers, and he said, it's Tom, as in Brady, Peyton, as in Manning, and Phillip, as in Rivers. Those are the three guys right now. No quarterbacks control a game at the line of scrimmage more than they do and perhaps ever have in the era since coaches started to call plays and design offenses. Um, And just said, one of the brilliant quarterbacks and quarterback minds of our era, he's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Like I, I people like were 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 tweeting me saying, "There's your boy. There might not even be a place for him." You know, you're going to argue he's in the Hall of Fame. He's not a Hall of Famer. He's never won a Super Bowl. Trust me, I would bet any amount of money with anybody that Philip Rivers will be in the Hall of Fame. Now, where is he going to go? I saw this year a compromised Philip Rivers physically when I watched the Chargers. I don't think he's got the same arm strength that he used to have. There were a couple of games in particular. Aaron, remember that Mexico City Monday night game? Yeah. And he was throwing ducks in that game, not necessarily pressured. Um, and, you know, it was a tough field that night, the whole thing. I think I saw him take a major step back physically this year in arm strength and, and ability. I, I That's what I saw watching him. Now, if other teams see that, you know, there may not be a robust market for him. I, st- I do think somebody's going to sign him. Somebody's going to say, can we get this guy with this team, you know, like a Tampa, 
you know, if if they move on from Winston, which it appears as if they're going to do, really good coaching staff, really good talent offensively, and you know, can we get one Philip Rivers year out of him? Because if we do, we could make a run next year. You know, what what did Tampa finish eight and eight? Yeah. You know, we could go eight and eight to ten and six, eleven and five, and be in the postseason and have a chance. Um, and by the way, they're going to have to pay for that. Like he's not signing an incentive-laden deal only. He's going to get a lot of guaranteed money for at least a year, maybe two. But I do – I I mean, the the conversations are separate, the Hall of Fame conversation with what's next. The what's next, I do agree with some of you who say there may not be a huge market for him. And I think that the reason for that – is not the age, it's the physical con- condition. He looked like a different quarterback this year to me when yeah. I watched him. He did. Aaron, would you want him on Tampa right now? You're a, you're a Bucks fan. Yeah, I would take him. I, I wouldn't be you know gung-ho about it, but I wouldn't be displeased if he ended up there. I mean, I'd like to see him personally as a fan of him on a team with talent You know that can Tampa win. If not, talent. I hope he retires. Like, if there isn't a team set up for him to come up, come in, take over, um, like, what are the other examples of, of, the, of the teams that, that are, are Indianapolis, about? The Bucks are the favorite. Indianapolis is the second favorite right Those now. would be the two. Those would be the two. Now, unless Brady leaves New England. <laughs> you know, imagine Brady leaves New England and Belichick says, well, fine, I'll go get Rivers, and we'll win it next year. If you want the odds, Tampa Bay plus 150, Indianapolis plus 275, Carolina and Las Vegas both plus 500, Miami plus 600. You know, the Raiders would be interesting. Carolina wouldn't be that. You know, Carolina has some talent on that team. Yeah. And that's where he's from, even though he moved his family to Florida. I think I, I, I bet he ends up in Tampa. I bet he ends up in Tampa. Um, one last thing before we, we leave. So uh was off for several days. Maryland played Illinois Friday night in what was a really good college basketball game. Now, I did not wa- – I watched the first half then had to go to the rehearsal dinner. <laughs> okay. and it was tough because that first half that ended 42-40 was a high-level college basketball game. I, I got a chance to see the second half um, when I got home. And um, – I, I, first of all, that that was a really big win for Mark Turgeon in Maryland. They're sixteen and a half point favorites tonight to beat Nebraska, and they potentially, with a win tonight, given the other games that are going on in the Big Ten, could have a two game lead. And and actually, based on the point spreads, you know, Purdue's favored tonight over Penn State, and Michigan State's favored at Illinois. There's a chance Maryland wins tonight as a sixteen and a half point favorite. They should win over Nebraska, and they're two games clear, you know, uh, in the Big Ten race. Um, it was a really good basketball game. I was really, really happy for Mark. Uh, Scott was there, um, Van Pelt. He told me it's the best environment and the, one of the loudest crowd environments he's been in. You could see it, Aaron. I'm sure you were following it all day. The students were lined up hours in advance. It was the biggest home game Illinois had in 10 years, 12 oh, years. Yeah. Um, and they were ginned up, and they took a 14-point lead in the first half, and Maryland came back, and, and they won the game. Cowan was terrific, and... And Ayala finally knocked down a couple of shots. But here's what I wanted to say to all of the Maryland basketball fans that listen and sometimes, you know, criticize me. Aaron does it sometimes, actually, <laughs> for being a little bit too supportive of, of Mark Turgeon, even though I've criticized various parts of, of, of various games. I've been frustrated with a lot of things. But, you know, the fans that really got after him after they lost to Iowa and Wisconsin – and were convinced that the world was ending and that it was now time for Turgeon to leave. 
We know that from right. a month ago, one month ago. It is the same people that say, you know, and I've said the same thing. I want a team that's ranked high. I want a team that's seated high. I want a team that's got pros on it. I want a team that's contending for a league title. I want a team that's contending for, you know, deep into March run. Well, that's what you have right now. Yes. That's this team right now. Okay, they're in first place in the best league in the country. They're ranked high. They've got pros on their team. They're going to be seated high more likely than not. And they're going to be one of those teams that are going to be among the teams picked to get to the final four. You know, there's going to be a group of 10, 12 teams, and they're going to be one of them that's going to be talked about as a final four team. So, you know, and I mentioned this after the Wisconsin game. I said they played well against Wisconsin. I hated the inbounds pass that blew it at the end. But they had played well, and they continued to play well, you know. And now all of a sudden, they're winning games on the road. And is this true? Was this true the other night that it's the first top twenty road win for for Turgeon? It wouldn't surprise me. Because last year was the first top twenty five. Yeah, the first ranking that at was like twenty four. So yeah, yeah, sounds right. And um, they're a good basketball team. Yeah, they they're, are. And 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 I the, saw them play against Iowa. They looked really good in that game. And Turgeon. His maneuvering in-game, you know, going to that zone, and I was sitting there watching that first half. I'm like, he's got to go to zone. They cannot stay in front of anybody. Illinois is getting to the rim with ease. He's got to go zone, and it was two possessions later. They're in the zone, and it totally disrupted Illinois' rhythm. Totally. The, the, um, their coach talked about it after the game, uh, that they, they, they got out of rhythm. It changed the game. Um, he showed multiple zones. He showed their 3-2 that they played more of than any other zone. He also went to a possession or two of a 1-3-1. Um, impressive to go into that environment. You know, you know, a, a week after, basically a week and a half after, they'd gone into another very hostile environment in Bloomington at Indiana where they hadn't won as a Big Ten team. Um, and to win that game, you know, puts them in position for the rest of the way to be what you think they should be more times than not. That's what they are right now. They're yes. everything you didn't think they were a month ago. And the other thing about this, Aaron, is all the people, and you know these people too, they're fixated on recruiting. Well, who? What about next year? <laughs> who is he signed? Who cares about next year right now? Enjoy the moment, people. <laughs> like enjoy it. This is a really good team. By the way, they're going to lose a couple more games. Okay, let me give you fair warning. They're going to lose a game or two, and you're going to be really pissed off about why they lose it. But this is a team right now built to go deep, deep. Maybe they don't. But I'm going to enjoy that. You know how many big games they have left? They have Michigan State Saturday in East Lansing at Breslin Center. They've got another game. They've got, they got Michigan State at home, which looks like Aaron. It's setting up for an ESPN game day game. That's what I was just about to ask you. Yeah, I think that's that's what they're holding off the time on because I think it's going to be the game day location. Um, they they close with Michigan. Wait, one problem with that though. What uh, game day is doing Michigan State Maryland this weekend, right? Are they? I think that's the case. Yeah. Why? Because is is the six o'clock start the game day thing? Uh, are, are, I, I just I just pulled it up because I was looking to see if they've they announced. It looks like they've announced East Lansing. Okay, so they're going to be. They might be in College Park too. That would be awesome. Very possible. So they've got. I know that they've been holding back that time because of the possibility that it was going to be in the prime spot on because it is an ESPN game. Yes. On the 29th. so they play Michigan State. 
this Saturday and then two weeks from now. God, these Big Ten games are great. <laughs> um, they still play uh, Michigan at home, Ohio State on the road, Minnesota on the road. They have a rut- game against Rutgers on the road. They got, you know, you're living the moment, man. They got big games, not big games in the Big Ten, big games on a national scale like they used to have in yes. the ACC. You know, so tonight's a really good night in the Big Ten. I mean, Penn State at Purdue. How about Purdue being a four-and-a-half-point favorite over a 13th-ranked team in the country? That reeks. <laughs> Did you see Purdue hang 61 points um, the other night in the first half on Iowa? Oh, yeah. Uh, that's what they score in the Big Ten in a full game, and they had 61 yeah. at halftime. He's one of my favorite coaches, always has been, Matt Painter. But tonight, Penn State, Purdue, Nebraska, Maryland, and Michigan State at Illinois. You know, Illinois now, Michigan State's lost three in a row, Aaron, something like that. They're out of the top 25, and Illinois's lost two in a row, I think. I don't think Michigan State, I think Maryland's going to beat Michigan State at least once. Uh, I'd say at least once. I don't know about this weekend, but at home, they'll be favored. And wouldn't shock me if they were favored by five or six. Do you have anything? I got nothing, boss. Um, All right. Thanks, everybody. Uh, Glad to be back. Enjoy the show. Back tomorrow.